2: Hi there! I'm Cindy Linden and this is the Cook Along Podcast. Today we are going to make us some Sloppy Joes. They're quick and easy. Alright, they're not that quick. And they have a lot of ingredients. This is a recipe that I have compiled. I went through a lot of Sloppy Joe recipes trying to find one I really liked. And what I ended up finding was that there were things about a number of different recipes that I really liked. And so I've kind of pushed things together to make something that's mine of stuff that I like. However, it's primarily based on Rachel Ray's Super Sloppy Joes. And I just added a few things to it to make it just a little bit better. Here are the things you're going to need to make this with me today. First... You need some good crusty rolls or some hamburger buns that have some substance to them because of course sloppy joes are they have a lot of liquid in them and they will just make a mess and I know that's the point and that's why they're called sloppy joes. You can minimize that a little bit with a good sturdy bun and then you're going to want some butter for that or margarine either way. But one of the most important things to do for this recipe is easy to forget because it's sort of separate. But you're going to want to spread those buns with that butter and put them under the broiler for just a second. And we're going to have to watch them because I routinely burn mine. I I leave them too long. I think, okay, I got a couple of minutes and I run off to do something else. And the next thing I know, I can smell them. And if you get to the point where you can smell them, it's because they're burning. I really can't tell you how many times I've done that. You'd think after a while I would learn not to walk away. But I don't seem to be able to do that. You want those toasted because then the surface that you're putting the sloppy joe mix on is kind of crunchy and buttery and these are good things. So in addition to the rolls, here is your actual ingredient list for the sauce, for the you know the filling of the sandwich that we're gonna make. You need a tablespoon of olive oil, one and a quarter pounds of lean ground beef. If you have only a pound, because sometimes they come that way, that's okay. It won't hurt anything. But if you can scrounge up a pound and a half, that's even better. You want ground beef like sirloin, which means very lean. I'm using 90% lean ground sirloin because I don't wanna have to deal with straining off the fat, which is the same reason you're gonna wanna do that. It's just easier to be able to just put things in the pan rather than trying to figure out how to get some stuff out of the pan. You need one quarter of a cup of brown sugar, two teaspoons to a tablespoon, which is three teaspoons of steak seasoning blend. I use McCormick brand, Montreal seasoning. It's got pepper and garlic and onion and stuff in it. I really like it for this recipe. If you have some other steak seasoning, I'm sure it will be fine. It just won't be quite like mine. You want a quarter of a teaspoon of garlic powder and a teaspoon of salt, a medium onion, which we're going to chop, a small red pepper, which we're gonna chop, and if all you have is green pepper in the house, that's okay too. You need some red wine vinegar, a tablespoon of that, a tablespoon of Worcestershire, two cups of tomato sauce, which unfortunately is just a hair more than a can. So I'm not gonna worry about that. I'm just gonna use a can. It's 15 ounces and it's probably very close to two cups, and that's what we're gonna use. So think about it as one can of tomato sauce, Two tablespoons of tomato paste, which you can get out of a can. If you're lucky enough to have a squeeze thing, you know, you can buy tomato paste in metal squeeze tubes. I'm trying to find mine here in my fridge. There we go. Mine is made by Cento, and it says double concentrated organic tomato paste. And the biggest advantage to this kind of container for tomato paste Is that you can stick it in the refrigerator and always have just that one tablespoon or two tablespoons that some recipe calls for. If you were making pizza sauce or spaghetti sauce or something this is not the right way to do it. This is for those moments when in a hurry you need some small amount. So somewhere you want to find two tablespoons of tomato paste. Here's a tip though if you're opening a can like one of those little tiny uh, six ounce cans of tomato paste and the bottom of the can and the top of the can are both shaped the same way. In other words, you could open either side with a can opener. Then open the top, scoop out what you need, and then put either foil or plastic wrap over the can and put it in your freezer. And then next time you need about that amount of tomato paste, You set it in a little glass or bowl of warm water long enough to get it loosened from the sides. And then you use a can opener to open the bottom. And then you use that bottom of the can to push the tomato paste out of the top of the can, which was already open because you already used it. It's a really cool trick. And it's another way to keep small amounts of tomato paste where you can readily get to them. You're going to need a good skillet for this. Some people will feel unsure about whether they want to use a cast iron. I probably will use the cast iron no matter what because I don't mind. But some people are hesitant to use cast iron because the acid in the tomato sauce will kind of strip away your seasoning and you may have to season the pan again. I don't find that that's a problem for me because I guess it's super seasoned it doesn't generally tend to come off plus I don't leave it in there it's not like we're storing it there we're cooking it in there and then we're dishing it out of there and getting any leftovers out of there as early as possible so if you have a pan that you like a skillet that you like you're going to want it it should be probably like at least 12 inches wide and two inches deep or an inch and a half deep but right now what you need is a small bowl And into this small bowl, you're gonna put the brown sugar, which is a quarter of a cup. You know what? I'm not gonna use this bowl, it's too small. I'm just gonna end up spilling it all over my counter. Slightly bigger bowl. So pack the brown sugar, just because that's always what it means when you use brown sugar. It's almost never not packed, if you'll excuse the double negative. That really is what I mean. And then to that brown sugar, we're going to add the steak seasoning, which as I said is for me, McCormick's Grillmate's Montreal steak. And I am going to use a full tablespoon of it because I like it and it's got a lot of pepper. So if you want something that's not quite as peppery, you're not going to want to use quite that much. The two teaspoons instead of the three, which is the tablespoon and the garlic powder. Quarter of a teaspoon of that. Just put it in there with the brown sugar and the steak seasoning. And the teaspoon of salt. I'm using my quarter teaspoon four times so I don't dirty another spoon. Now stir that up so that it's just a nice seasoning mix. This is a lot of the flavor that's going into your sloppy joe stuff. All right, then we have to chop an onion. We talked about chopping onions before, but I always feel like it's worth talking about again. Sorry, this is me putting my brown sugar out of the way. Medium onion, that's completely subjective. I have no idea what that means. Not really. So I'm using one that's smaller than the ones that look large to me. I don't have anything I would call a small onion, so... I'm just gonna say this is a medium onion. I don't really know. None of us do. You wanna get the outside paper skin off. Compost it if you have a compost bin. And then holding it sideways with the root end in your non-dominant hand, and uh, so sideways on your cutting board, cut off what would be the top or the, the sprouting end of the onion. And if you're lucky, that'll peel some of the skin of the next layer with it. And that gives you a sort of starting point. You want to peel this off because usually this um, next layer right under the really crispy paper is a sort of a thin paper, but don't take it all the way off. It'll peel back to where the root is and just leave it there. Don't cut it off. Don't, Don't do anything. Get anything that fell onto your cutting board, off the cutting board. But if it's still got paperish around the root end. That gives you something to hold on to. And now holding that onion by that paper at the root, lay the onion flat, the flat side that you cut off from where the blossom end was, lay it down on your cutting board and cut from the root to the cutting board in little notches as though you were setting the times, putting the numbers on a clock. Just every little space cut from the root down to the cutting board and then turn it a little and cut another one. So that when we're done, we're gonna have a bunch of notches, sort of like the numbers on a clock. And I don't mean you have to have 12. It doesn't matter how many you have. And now, once you've done that, you've got this uh, all split up, take the root end and turn it sideways so that the flat end is no longer on your cutting board It's sideways now, and the root end is in your non-dominant hand. And use your dominant hand with the knife to cut straight down to the cutting board across those cuts we made a minute ago. And just do that in several slices. There will be a point where it's too hard to do this, and then we're going to turn it again. But do it for as long as you can without cutting yourself, please. It doesn't do me any good if you have to interrupt the podcast to run off to the hospital. All right, that's close enough. I don't like to get too close. Now turn the flat side of the onion back down. You still have all those notches. Just cut from one side into where the root is, the butt, you know, the butt, and then turn the onion and do it on another side. You're cutting straight down to the cutting board, across your notches, and just in little slices until you get really close to the root. Then, if you want to, you can take what's left of this root here and put it in some water. I think I'm going to do that. Just get a little tiny bowl or a plastic container, put a tiny splash of water in it, and set the onion in it, and it'll root. And then you can put it in your yard outside, and you'll have grown your own onion. Now, if there's any big chunks of onion on your table there, you might want to cut them a little smaller. That's what I'm doing here is just cutting some of the really big pieces that are bigger than I really wanted them cutting those down. And now we need the bell pepper. I happen to have a couple of red ones. I'm going to use the smaller of the two. I got them from a place called Imperfect Produce. Maybe you're familiar with them. They give a second chance to produce that's too ugly to, to sit on the grocery store shelves. And I really do have a couple of really ugly ones. They look like a uh, commas really big commas or or quarter moons just cut off the top on that and then cut your pepper in half lengthwise and then scoop out the seeds which are oh interesting these little tiny skinny peppers have hardly any seeds isn't that fun when you want the whole pepper just get the seeds and the membranes out of it the membranes won't hurt you and they're not hot or anything but you you don't want the seeds in there And so if you get the membranes out, it's good. If you don't get the membranes out, it's okay. And then chop that in about the same sizes or maybe a little smaller than the onions. And do the whole pepper, unless it's really big. Again, this is completely subjective. It says small. You want a small red pepper, but small is relative. You know what I'm saying? I think you should have less pepper, in my opinion. When you're all done chopping, you should have maybe a little less pepper than you have onion, but not a lot. I'm using a ceramic knife. I love my ceramic knife. If you want information on knives, there is a blog I wrote on the website thecookalongpodcast.com there's a blog about my knives of choice and I will tell you about what I have what I like to use and why and it's a short article but it could be really helpful if you're just setting up a house or an apartment or trying to gift something to somebody Okay, so, again, this is kind of random, but I'm just going to tell you that my pile of chopped red bell pepper is probably about two-thirds of the size of my pile of onions. And now we cook. Get your skillet out and put it on your stove and turn your burner on to mm, medium-high. So, seven or eight, pretty hot. Get your meat out of the fridge if it isn't already. I got so lucky. Last time I was at the grocery store, was that yesterday? might have been yesterday. I found a package of 90% lean meat in the Buy It Now because it's going to expire soon. Section of the meat counter. And it is one pound. It's 1.26 pounds. So it's exactly right. Okay, it's not exactly, but it's so close. I'm going to think of it as exactly. If your pan hasn't been seasoned in a bit, spray it. Especially if you're using lean beef uh, because it doesn't have enough fat in it to keep it from sticking. If you're using 80% lean or 70% lean, it's okay. Go ahead and do that. You're probably going to want to strain off the fat which uh, there are mechanisms to do that with colanders or, or little gadgets you can hook to the side of the pan. Sometimes the easiest thing to do is to get a slotted spoon and scoop the meat out of the pan and leave the fat behind and then pour the fat off. Do not pour it down your sink. You probably already know this, but if I didn't say it, it would be some sort of malfeasance. Don't pour it down your sink. It will congeal and you will be so sorry you did that. Anyway, all of that's a lot of fuss, and that's why I recommend using meat that's so lean that you don't have to do any of that. And we're going to crumble that into the pan. Crumbling, okay, maybe that's a misnomer, but you just want to take off little bits and using your fingers, munge them into smaller bits and drop them in the pan. Don't throw it in as one huge lump. I mean, you could, but you're going to have to break it up anyway. No matter what you do, you're probably going to have to use a wooden spoon or a silicone, I don't know, something that's got some heft to it in order to break the meat into small pieces. Because if you've had sloppy joes before, which I presume you have or you wouldn't have been interested in listening to this podcast, you know it has to be all crumbled up and part of a sauce as opposed to being solid like a hamburger. Just keep pulling these bits off and dropping them in the pan until the whole thing is in. You can hear mine starting to cook. From here on out, it's pretty fast and pretty easy. We haven't done anything hard, right? I'm just pointing out, this was really easy. We mixed up some brown sugar and some spices. We chopped some vegetables. Now we're putting hamburger in a pan. Get your spatula or your spoon or whatever you're using and just start chopping at that meat a little. As you stir it around, just start chopping it into smaller bits. You want really tiny little bits of ground beef. You don't want bite-sized pieces. It should be just like hamburger meal, like, uh, you know, small. You want it little bits, little tiny bits. I just realized that I didn't use the olive oil, I just sprayed my pan. I think I prefer that actually. You could certainly use the olive oil. It'll add a little extra flavor, although it's really not much. I told you a tablespoon. I'm sure saved a few calories, maybe a lot of calories. Olive oil has, all oil actually has an enormous amount of calories in it. It's appalling if you start looking at that. It's, it's, It's intimidating to say the least. If you're trying to watch your calories, boy, you put just a little bit of any kind of oil in anything and and you're doomed. Really? So anyhow, when I told you to spray the pan, that would have been a time for you to throw the olive oil in if that's what you wanted to do. Now we're going to add the seasonings. It's actually still, some of it's still pink and that's okay. Take your bowl of brown sugar and spices and stir it in there with the meat. The meat will continue to brown as we go. And we're not going to do anything else until it's browned. We don't want to have pink left. So just keep stirring it. If you get got big pieces, keep chopping it. The spices that you put in and the brown sugar will develop into a kind of a sauce, a seasoning that'll coat the meat a little bit. I shouldn't say sauce because there's not nearly enough of it to do that. But it will definitely add a lot of flavor to this meat. As you're cooking this, you may notice that there's a lot of liquid That's not all fat. If you're using really lean meat, don't be worried that that's fat and just go ahead and add the seasonings to it. It's actually juice, a lot of it, and there's almost no fat in 90% lean as is evidenced by the name, but it will start exuding some juice as you're cooking it and the sugar and spices that you added will encourage it to do that. All of that's okay, because it's gonna become part of the sauce. All right, my meat is now, I don't have any pink parts left. So now, if I can find my bench scraper, there we go. I'm going to scoop up the onions and add them to the meat. And then, I'm going to scoop up the peppers and add them to the meat. There we go. Now we're going to lower the heat a little bit. Once your onions and pepper's in here, take the burner, which is on, I had you turn it on to medium high, now we're going to turn it down a little bit, turn it down to about five, medium, right in the middle. Now that you've got your vegetables in there, I'm going to add the red wine vinegar, just a tablespoon of that, to the pot. If you don't have red wine, you could probably use something else, I haven't ever tried that, but you sure could, if you don't have the red wine vinegar, don't sweat it. Use what you got and we'll, you know, we'll all learn this together. And then you want your Worcestershire. Tablespoon of that as well into the pan. Oh yeah. Oh boy, that's, oh yeah, that smells really good. Now we're gonna just stir it or let it cook. Stir it once in a while. You don't have to stir it every second. For about five minutes. So I'm gonna go away and let you do that. What you're looking for is that the vegetables will get a little tender. So set a timer for about five minutes and then come back and I'll tell you how to finish this up. By the way, this would be a really good time to butter those buns and get them ready to put into the broiler.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot,
2: I keep my hamburger buns in the freezer because I only go through about two at a time. I have a small household and the disadvantage of course to that is that you can't get the lid apart from the bottom without doing something in the microwave. I'm going to set my microwave for medium right in the middle and I'm going to give it one minute. That isn't enough to dry them out and harden them up. It is enough to kind of get them to separate, but leave them a little frozen. And of course, that's the advantage of having your hamburger buns in the freezer is that when you go to butter them, they don't rip and tear. They actually have some resistance, some stability. This is a good thing. The other thing you could do is use margarine. Maybe I'll do that today. Use a little margarine because generally margarine is softer than butter. And easier to spread. The stuff here is I should tell you, I'm talking to you while, I told you to come back to me when yours has been five minutes, and I'm I didn't wait that long. I'm still I'm still cooking. Because I thought we should talk about these buns. Now I'm gonna oh alright, there's my five minutes. Alright, my buns are still defrosting a little. There we go. Alright, so those are ready for me to butter them. Normally, I would tell you go ahead and butter them and put them in the broil- under the broiler and just make sure you take them out before they burn, but I burned some buns just two days ago and with that memory still fresh, I'm not going to do anything until I'm actually focused on that. So your meat sauce, you should be looking at now that the, the onions are kind of translucent, the peppers are a little translucent as well. Now we're going to add the tomato stuff. So, that's your can of tomato sauce, which just splattered everywhere. It's one of those pull tops. Oh well, just dump that in. Use your uh, rubber spatula or spoon or whatever to make sure you get it all out of the can because remember, we're just a hair shy of our two cups when we're using the can. So you wanna be sure you don't leave any extra. Don't leave any in the can because we're already a little scant. Wow there's a sharp edge there somewhere. It's kind of weird considering it was a pull top but it's catching on my spatula. Okay and then the two tablespoons of tomato paste. That goes in next and I'm just squeezing it as I go because I can. I understand that you may be scooping it or have already measured it even if you were really smart. All right there's my second tablespoon all that in there. Turn your, oven, your stove top down now to low. We're just going to simmer it from here out. So turn it way down to low or one or whatever you got down there at the bottom of the dial. And stir that in gently. Be careful not to slop over the sides. Tomato paste generally resists dissolving. So it'll take a little stirring to get all of this mixed in well together. You'll find that the tomato sauce mixes in cheerfully but the tomato paste is a little um, obstructionist and then when you get it all stirred in you'll you will see that the tomato see how it's blending with that juice that we created beautiful beautiful now you're just gonna let this simmer set your timer for another five minutes and while that's going this time timer 5 minutes. This time we're going to take care of these buns over here. Mine are just stuck still a little bit because they were frozen, but they're still a little firm in the middle. I'm glad I'm using margarine and not butter cuz I don't believe the butter would spread on here. Just do a really light. You don't need a lot, just a really light spread of the butter over the inside of both the top and the bottom of each bun. If you have a toaster oven, you can do this in your toaster oven. If you don't, you wanna turn your broiler on in your oven right now so that it can heat up a little bit. Wherever we do it, we are gonna watch these like a hawk. Really gonna just watch these. I am so tired of burning hamburger buns. It's just not okay. Sometimes I grind them up and I save the breadcrumbs for stuffing or something. But sometimes when they're so burned that I, I think it would not help the flavor of my stuffing very much to have all that burned stuff in there. The ones I did the other day, I just put them in the compost bin, which makes me just annoyed. I guess I was started to say sad and it's not that, and I started to say angry and it's not that. But really, just annoyed, so annoyed with myself to do that repeatedly. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. So I'm putting these in my toaster oven. I should have told you this will make about four servings. I'm toasting enough buns for three sandwiches. And we'll probably have a sandwich and a half each. The second half sandwich is not because we'll still be hungry but just for taste. Because it tastes really good. In fact, because we're a small household, we really don't fuss this much the second time around. We usually have leftovers because I make the full batch, but we don't use buns for the leftovers. We just eat it with a spoon, you know, like spaghetti sauce, only no noodles. Now, if you want to, you can garnish this with fresh tomatoes sliced or pickles or cheese, I suppose. I've never done any of those things. I like mine naked. No. I like mine up. That's it. I like mine up. Uh, I do like beer with it. If you have beer in the house, look at that. Those buns. Hmm. Yeah. I got to be careful. That one's coming out. Okay. Woohoo! hoo. Tin burn them. And you know, we're really, we're done here. The sloppy Joe stuff is going to cook for your last two minutes. Stir it up a couple of times. Make sure everything's mixing in really well. Turn your toaster oven or your oven on to, I think I'm gonna do low to broil the buns. Don't forget they're in there. Oh please, I hope I don't forget again. I could do that even now, just so you know. Even having spoken about this, told you the story, and said I'm gonna watch it, I still could easily burn these buns. Please don't do that. Stir your sauce, let it simmer, and then using like a big spoon Or an ice cream scoop. That's kind of a good way to measure. You can scoop this onto the bun right before you serve it. Don't do it too much ahead or the buns will get soggy. And you can serve this with potato salad. In fact, I got a couple of really good potato salad recipes on the website. Thecookalongpodcast.com. Go to the search bar and type in potato salad and you'll find two different recipes there. Or you could serve it with coleslaw. Actually, I have a coleslaw recipe there too on the website now that I think about it. Or you could serve it with, wait, I'm checking the buns. So far so good. You could serve with just potato chips or French fries or tater tots or whatever you've got in the house. A green salad. Green salad would be lovely with this. And then you could feel virtuous about having done something better for your body. Meanwhile, if you have comments about this recipe or any of my recipes, or if you have questions, please visit my Facebook page which is uh, its just Facebook, and then type in the search bar, type in the Cook Along Podcast, and you will find my page. I will answer any questions or comments that you put there as quickly as I see them, and I do check it almost every day. I would love to hear from you. I would love to talk to you. So please consider visiting there and telling me what you think or asking me questions or letting me know what problems you might have run into as you were making this or any other of my recipes. Checking the buns again. Still good. This afternoon I made some cookies. Just because I had a craving. They are... Oh, there's my five minutes is up. Dinner's ready, man. I made some palmier cookies. P-A-L-M-I-E-R. They look like little pastry hearts. And they are one of the first recipes I made for this podcast. And that recipe is there under cookies or under palmiere. I made a terrible error when I made these, but there's a disclaimer in the beginning to let you know what you should do instead of doing what I did do. And they're really yummy, and there's some beautiful pictures of those on the website. And if you have troubles with those or you want to tell me I really should record that one over again and leave out the big mistake I made, you can do that on my Facebook page. So there's dinner and dessert and side dishes if you want them, although you probably should have made those ahead of time. And so until next time, happy cooking. Well, it turns out I'm going to do a bonus podcast. So I just finished the Sloppy Joe's and realized that what I really want with it is French fries. Now, I don't have a deep fryer. I don't have an air fryer. I do have an oven. And I have some Yukon Gold potatoes, which is the kind I recommend. We're just gonna whip these up in the oven. This is a baked version of of French fries. So they're, I guess, not technically fried. They're baked. No, they're roasted. That's what it is. They're roasted with oil. I'm scrubbing my potatoes here so that I can cut them up and leave the skin on. There's no point in peeling off the skin of a Yukon Gold, or really any potato. You know that's where the good vitamins and stuff are, right? You know that. The skin is where all the good stuff that's good for you is. And it's tasty and it can get nice and crisp. So don't cut it off if you don't have to. So I'm gonna take these potatoes now and I'm gonna cut them uh, sort of lengthwise in about quarter inch slices. I like them thin, it'll cook faster that way. And considering that I already finished the sloppy joes which are now sitting there simmering, keeping warm, Quicker is better. By the way, my buns came out perfectly, but only because I kept reminding myself not to go start these potatoes or set the table or anything. I just had to keep watching it. But they came out okay, so that's a good thing. I just didn't wanna burn another set this week. So now I'm onto the second potato and still slicing lengthwise. So I have these flat little potato plates you know I'm talking about quarter inch watching out for your fingers cut off any bad parts if you're doing this with me I should have advertised this in the beginning so you knew it was coming up but you know like I told you it was sort of a spontaneous realization that I needed french fries to go with these boigas. no not boigas. slobby joe's I have only small potatoes I don't have anything really large and i can't tell you how much to do because it's really all about how many fries you and whomever you are eating with will consume they don't have to be perfectly sized they don't have to be perfectly shaped now of course we're going to slice them lay them flat on the cutting board and slice them so that what you have is strips and then throw your strips onto a clean cookie sheet or cooking sheet. Again, just cut these a size you kinda wanna eat or small if you're in a hurry. The smaller they are, the faster they'll cook. Throw them all onto that baking sheet. Meanwhile, be preheating your oven. Shoulda said this earlier, huh? Be preheating your oven to 425. It should be hot and it takes a while to heat that unless you're using a toaster oven, which I am. I love my toaster oven. It has made so much possible to do so quickly. However, you know what? <laughs> As I'm looking at this, I sliced up too much potato. I'm gonna to have to use my regular oven. But I do I do love my toaster oven, but you really do have to gauge how much. Yeah, oh well. So go back to slicing the potatoes while your oven heats up. it. That'll slow everything down. well I'm still piling them on the original cookie sheet that's going to be too small because it's already dirty so why not because we're gonna have to mix these with some oil and that's as good a place to do this as any but then I will spread them on a larger cookie sheet so we're just slicing them into strips throwing them in a bowl if you were smarter than I or on your full-size cookie sheet big enough to spread the fries out in a single layer That's how you gauge how big of a pan you need. I just didn't eyeball it right. Way, way didn't eyeball it right. It would have been way too much for this little baking sheet that I picked out for my toaster oven. And for this, I guess I should have told you, you're going to want some kind of oil. You can use olive oil, it may smoke because we're cooking at a really hot temperature. I've always done it with olive oil until recently, at which point I used avocado oil and I actually thought they were crispier and that's probably because I could cook them real hot and it doesn't start to smoke up my kitchen. You could use canola oil, vegetable oil, whatever you got in the house. Just know that if it's got a flavor, the flavor will be imparted to the french fries. All right. These are all sliced up. Well, mostly, almost. Now they are. And what we're going to do is drizzle this with a little oil. I'm going to use the avocado again because, like I said, I really like the way that turned out. You know, I've got some peanut oil. I thought about using that. That could be kind of fun to give this little just reminiscence of peanut but I don't feel that brave today. I'm going to so just drizzle it with probably a tablespoon. You know, I can't even tell you how much because I don't know how many potatoes you've done. And then toss them. Use your hands. It's the easiest and fastest way. You're just trying to get oil on all the sides of every potato stick. It just takes a moment to kind of stir those up. And then wash the oil off your hands cuz we need your hands clean. A little dish soap will get that oil off if they're still oily. Dish soap is specifically made to cut through grease. You probably know that. But for this, I use dish soap when I have some kind of grease on my hands. Now you want salt. A little kosher salt. That's what I'm going to use because I have some here I'm about to use up. Oh, very little kosher salt. Okay. guess I'm going to add some sea salt to that. And you know, this is kind of fun because you can season them at this point. You could sprinkle garlic powder on them. Uh, You could sprinkle Cajun spice on them. You could sprinkle just black pepper on them. I have a seasoning I got from Penzi's that I really like on French fries called Northwoods, which is a bunch of red seasonings and a little rosemary. You could just put rosemary. So once you have those seasonings, whatever you're using, I'm using just salt today because there's so much flavor in the Sloppy Joe stuff already. Once you get them all seasoned, use your hands to stir them up again, and then rinse the oil off your hands again. Spread the fries out on your cookie sheet that's actually big enough to hold all your fries in a single layer. Scoop some of that oil in there if you need to. Spread them out so they're flat. So these are, I, I guess I would call them oven fries. Does that sound right? I'm sure that's right. Oven fries. You want them touching the cookie sheet if you can do that. If you want them to be sure not to stick, you probably should have sprayed it first, but I didn't tell you that, and they are oiled, so you'll probably be okay. You may just have to scrape at a little bit with a spatula to get them off the tray. And roast these at 425 for about... 20 minutes. But keep an eye. It's really just until they look ready. You'll know. You know what french fries look like. And the bottom side will be browner. If you want to avoid that and get a more even look on them, you want to only cook them for about 10 minutes. Take them out of the oven, use a spatula, turn them over and put them back in for the other 10 minutes. And there you go. Oven fries to go with your sloppy joes. Or whatever else you got. Happy cooking.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods